everybody, welcome back to Holistic Finance. I am your host, Ryan Burklow. With me, as always, my co-host, Alex Collins. Hey, Ryan. How's it going? Lovely, lovely. It's about to be the weekend, and I'm hoping that my Broncos actually show up this week. Yeah, they didn't this last week. No, they? they didn't show up at all. Thank you for not talking about it this week, by the way. You're welcome. So today's conversation, um, it, we get asked a lot, should I be overpaying on my mortgage? Right, you you buy a home, should be we putting more money towards the mortgage. Well, and oftentimes it's not even asked the question. It's just, hey, I'm doing this. Fair, yeah. And so what we thought we'd do is talk about and actually look at the math behind, not necessarily answering that question because to Mister it depends over here. It does, it does really depend, actually, where you're at in life, your age, are you about to retire, all that kind of fun stuff. But we are going to look at it from a cash flow standpoint, and we're going to look at two 35-year-old people with the traditional sense of getting a 30-year fixed mortgage, retiring at age 65. So we're going to go ultra stereotype here. And the purpose of this is to look at what the end result is, as well as more of the differences between the two people and yeah what happens along the way right so again this isn't stating that you should never overpay your mortgage this isn't stating that you should overpay your mortgage we want to just look at it from a cash flow perspective that way when you look at your personal finances you look at it from this perspective as well fair alex yeah and what really what we're after here is a better understanding of how money works and why you would or why you wouldn't want to prepay your mortgage. So let's give you the parameters and the calculators that we did here. And this is uh, typically a lot easier to do with the visuals that we have, Alex. But I think we can get away with just kind of simple numbers here and end results to make this clear for someone that's listening to this on the car ride to work. Yeah. Uh, I think we can take a screenshot of some of this stuff and include it in the notes on the... Yeah. That might, that's a good idea. So we'll do that. But the parameters are this. Each of us have chosen to do a 30-year fixed mortgage at an interest rate at 3.9%. And we picked 3.9 because that's a rate that we recently saw using an online mortgage calculator. The mortgage, principal and interest only, not including taxes and insurance, is $26.41 per month. And I mean, that's one of the biggest things that we hear folks not really understand is, well, my mortgage payment is more than that. Well, and that's because you have to pay the escrow, which includes taxes and insurance. However, if you pay off your mortgage, well, guess what? You still have to pay the taxes and the insurance. Yeah. Unfortunately, when you pay off your mortgage, you still have taxes. <laughs> you always and have you taxes. And technically, you have to have the, the insurance, but I've yet to meet someone... And I know I know people do own a home and don't have insurance on the home, but that is so. I don't rare. think I know anybody in that situation. I know one person, so not the point of the conversation. So <laughs> again, we're going to analyze what I'm going to do with my money, and then we're going to analyze what Alex chooses to do. I'm going to be in the camp of I'm going to overpay on the mortgage. I'm going to spend an additional thousand dollars a month because I want my mortgage paid down quicker. So if I take the $2,641, add the $1,000 as well, so now we're looking at $3,641 per month, what that equates to is I'm putting towards the mortgage $43,692. 
and I guess an important ingredient here is the, the beginning mortgage is at $560,000. Yeah, I mean, we, we're using a $700,000 house and assuming that $140,000 is being paid down. I on. chose a 20% down payment, exactly. So let's, let's go through this now. So what this really equates to is as I'm paying $43,692 per year to pay down the mortgage, By the time I get to age 52, the mortgage is completely paid off. Then I can take that money and start to save it. And I threw in making it 4% in a bucket. So I take that money, save it, making 4%. So at the end, by the time I get to age 65, my house value plus the additional asset now that I'm growing because at age 52. Well, wait a second, Ryan. We don't have the house value growing at all in this calculation. Yes. So really the asset value in this situation is $744,607. Exactly. So the end combined $700,000 home, which doesn't grow. We just didn't want to take that into consideration in this. We're just talking about cash, like should you overpay on the mortgage? And then the additional asset of seven forty four equals the $1,444,607. Sure. So looking at this, I definitely saved a ton of money in interest. Right. Right, because I didn't pay this loan for 30 years. I paid it for... Uh, what, 16, 17 years? Seven, 16 and a half years, roughly. Right, so 17 years. And I chose to just essentially give the money to the bank so that I can get this t paid off so that way I don't have to have the mortgage anymore. So this is a often thought around saving money on interest because I just saved myself hundreds of thousands of dollars in interest. That That's the common theme here. So 15-year versus 30-year mortgage, you could look at it that way. Same concept, slightly different numbers. Alex has chosen to do something slightly different. As opposed to overpaying on the mortgage, he's just decided to pay the $2641. So, again, just so I'm 100% clear, the only difference is, is Alex is not paying $1,000 a month towards the mortgage. Alex is saving $1,000 a month into a savings account, getting the same 4% that I got after I paid my mortgage off. So essentially the question becomes, are we better off by paying off the mortgage early and then saving the amount of money that was going into the mortgage for the rest of the time period? Or is it better to save as we go along? Same value of the home, 700000 same starting mortgage, right? Everything's still the same. If I take this out again to age 52, where I've actually paid off my mortgage, Alex, right? you still have a mortgage. As a matter of fact, your mortgage is down to, from five sixty down to $278,240. Now, what Alex has at this point that I do not is Alex has a savings bucket of $320,000, actually $320,055. Again, this is an assumed rate of return. Not the same 4% that I was getting, so we're not changing anything. And it is an assumed rate of return, but it's the same numbers. So Alex could pay off the mortgage, actually, 
if he chose, if he wanted to, because he's got enough money to say, I don't want the 278 mortgage anymore. I'm just going to take that from my bucket of money I've been saving and pay it off. If he doesn't, and we go all the way out to the end, he's got roughly the same amount of money. $1.45 million. The exact number is $1,451,590. And again, 700 to 1,000 of that is the home value. And we're assuming, just to, to keep it less complicated, we assumed zero growth on the home. So I want to call out a couple myths here, um, at least in this scenario. One myth, myth is, well, I'll save a bunch of money in interest. And not that that is false, but what is not into consideration is if I don't give my money to the bank, I can put that money somewhere else and I could grow that money and still have a, a, a chunk of money to pay off the loan almost in the exact same period of time as the person that's been overpaying the mortgage. Yeah. While you do save a whole bunch of interest, you lose out on the opportunity cost of what those dollars could have done for you over that you know, 16, 17 years. This is what Alex and I are speaking into when we say we see clients make siloed decisions. The siloed decision here is, oh, if I overpay on my mortgage, I will save X amount of dollars in interest. And when not taking into consideration, well, what else could you have done with that money? Right. It's not shocking that the scenario that you put an extra $12,000 a year in looks better. Yeah. <laughs> that math is math. So now that that's myth one. Myth two is maybe it's not a myth. The difference between you and I is I've, I, I was overpaying on my mortgage. I was giving my money to the bank for the last 17 years. Right now, if, if in year 12, you got sick or hurt and couldn't work. Is the bank still requiring their you to make the normal mortgage payment, the $2,400 and change? Absolutely. So even though you've prepaid, you know. Yeah, they're not, they're not giving me a credit. Say, hey, you've been paying us $12,000 extra per year. We're going to give you a pass this year. That doesn't work that way. Correct. So there's a whole lot less flexibility with that particular structure. Now, I mean, so much of this really boils down to discipline. And it's discipline in two different manners. You know, if, it, well, discipline is one aspect. The other aspect is rate of return and interest rate. So if we go back to a situation where mortgages are double digits like they were in the 80s, paying off that mortgage earlier makes a whole ton more sense. If we see interest rates continue to fall, or if you've got an interest rate in the threes, or like at one point in my life, I had an interest rate in the twos on my mortgage, like there was zero reason to prepay that. Like it was basically going up with inflation. Right. And you brought the discipline point is really on both sides, but when you have a thousand dollars being saved every month and that's twelve thousand dollars sitting in an account oftentimes it's easier to spend that money than the person that just gave it to the bank because the money's already gone you can't go get it after you've given it to the bank 
Yeah, you, well, you have to have the discipline to A, save the $1,000 a month. And setting it up on a systematic or automatic basis helps with that. The second component, as you pointed out, is, well, if we're putting $1,000 a month into an account, you can go touch that for better or worse. And, and we would argue that it's really both. The better is, well, that's a whole heck of a lot more f- flexibility and liquidity that you've got. So if something bad pops up, you've got the you've got the money there. You've got the ability to go get access to it to continue to make the mortgage payment, to continue to put money on the or food on the table, um, to be able to do the things that need to get done for the family. The bad is, well, if you really want to take a trip to Hawaii, you've got twelve thousand dollars that you've saved this year. It becomes pretty attractive to pull some of those dollars and then go to Hawaii or wherever else. Yeah, the the end result is also while the number technically, you know, Alex's structure is his number is slightly higher by you know a couple thousand dollars here. In our eyes, it's same same functionally the same. Yeah, yeah. it's functionally the same. So neither one of us really end up in a better spot. However, Alex's plan is a lot more flexible and and that's a huge piece. We need to have flexibility in our financial planning. And I, some people don't need the flexibility. They, they actually need it to be structured where they'd rather just give their money to the bank. And you know, to some degree, well, I, I get it. I, I really do. Because I, I if do the money's too. there, it, I I'm, can be one of them. Well, I'll go take it and I'm going to Hawaii. The, the bigger issue for that person that you just spoke into is what happens when the mortgage gets paid off. Yeah, that's fair. Because we said we, he started saving this money, or I started saving this money at the 4%, and I still ended up with that $744,000. At age 52. Right. So if you take that into consideration, this really starts to look a little hazy. Well, and the, other, the next thing is, is it easier to systematically save $1,000 a month, or is it easier to systematically save $3,400 or 3641 to be exact? Yeah. So look, the point of this exercise, again, is not to say stop overpaying your mortgage. The point of this exercise is for you to look at your money so that you have A, options, and not look at it in a siloed manner. Well, and, and not be, look at the complete decision, understand what you're giving up by quote unquote saving hundreds of thousands of dollars in interest. Yes, you're saving hundreds of thousands of dollars of interest, but what are you giving up in terms of the flexibility and the ability to, to access those dollars? And, and again, this assumes a 4% net after tax rate of return. Your rate of return might be better. It, it might be worse. It might be something where you're so risk averse that you only get a 2% net after tax rate of return. It might also... And there's still something to think about that. But if you did the 2% net after tax, if we if we lowered it, to, to be crystal clear, at that uh, year 17 mark that we've been discussing that my mortgage is paid off and yours isn't, but you have enough to pay it off should you choose, with the 2% mark, you wouldn't have enough money to pay off the mortgage. Right. Like you wouldn't have enough money. However... There's still some pros to that planning because you have a secondary bucket of money that you might be leveraging on other assets because you're staying ultra risky in other assets. 
You have a secondary bucket of money for the oh crap scenario or an opportunity scenario, right? And again, we're not saying that that should be you, the listener, but it's something to consider when you're making the decision of, I'm going to pay an extra $12,000 a year to the bank. And $12,000 happens to be the example that we're using. It could be an extra 50 bucks a month. It could be an extra $2,000 a month, whatever the, whatever the structure is. You know, that's really relatively indifferent. The only plan out there that I've seen that that works at all differently is the thought process behind paying your mortgage, like putting your mortgage payment up into every other week. And the thought concept is there of, well, instead of paying, you know, twenty four hundred dollars or, or sorry, what's the what, what's the number that we're using? Twenty six forty one is the mortgage. So split that up, that'd be what thirteen twenty. Sure. So instead of paying twenty six forty one, paying thirteen twenty twice a month, and have that then be set so that it's built into each one of your paychecks. And the idea and the concept there is that you're essentially paying the you know, half of the mortgage payment two weeks early every every month for 360 months and that actually saves some interest. And now if that makes it easier from a cash flow standpoint for you, great. Like that actually works. Now, like there's some programs out there that like the bank charges you money to to set that program up or that won't allow you to do it because of for whatever reason. So like make sure that you take a look at it, but paying the month paying the mortgage twice a month that's actually not necessarily a, a bad structure if it works well with your cash flow. Yeah, I mean, there are a bunch of different scenarios we could talk about, and we wanted to keep this ultra simple only for the purpose to have you look at your money and not only look at the aspect of, I'm going to save a bunch of money on interest. You got to look at what the money could have done for you and what would that do for you in your life. Yeah, what are all the ripple effects? What are the different right. choices that you get to make as a result? Everyone of that? wants this financial freedom, and it's it can be difficult to have financial freedom when you're paying an extra twelve grand a month towards a mortgage or twelve grand a year. Now, to be fair, at the end of seventeen years, that opens up the world. You would have the financial freedom to some degree. So, again, it's what flexibility you want, and what will you be doing with your money? This is what we want you to consider in this. So. That I think that's the main piece we want to get across today. Yeah, it, understand the concepts and then you know apply the numbers that are applicable to your situation to you. And if you have questions or you want you know help walking through this, we're happy to to help answer some questions. Awesome. Well, as normal, we hope you have a good rest of your day. Uh, if you do have questions, make sure you come out to our website, which takes you to our website for the podcast. You can ask us a question there. And uh, we can maybe talk about that on the podcast and uh, you can engage with us there. Hope you have a good rest of your day. Cheers. This podcast is for informational purposes only and is not to be construed as tax, legal, or investment advice. Although the information has been gathered from sources believed to be reliable, please note that individual situations can vary. Therefore, the information should be relied upon only when coordinated with individual professional advice. Guest speakers and their firms are not affiliated with or endorsed by Park Avenue Securities, Guardian, or Quantified Financial Partners. 
and opinions stated are their own. Guardian, its subsidiaries, agents, and employees do not provide tax, legal, or accounting advice. Consult your tax, legal, or accounting professional regarding your individual situation. Ryan and Alex are registered representatives and financial advisors of Park Avenue Securities, LLC. OSJ 3585 Maple Street, number 140, Ventura, California, 909-399-1100. Securities products and advisory services offered through Park Avenue Security, member FINRA, SIPC. Financial representatives of the Guardian Life Insurance Company of America, New York, New York. Park Avenue Securities is an indirect wholly owned subsidiary of Guardian. Quantified Financial Partners is not an affiliate or subsidiary of Park Avenue Securities or Guardian. Number 2019-866-88, expiration 09-2021.